This is a podcast from Minute Media. Oh, <laughs> it would be a wolf, but I. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest Wolves match preview episode. It's little Dan hosting tonight. I've got with me Andy from the Anfield Wrap. How are you going, Andy? Hi, mate. You okay? I see you. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Got you settled there, running around. Really appreciate you taking your time out. We we have got Gully with us, but I'm not sure where he's gone. So we'll quickly um, start previewing Sunday's big match at Anfield. Obviously, there's, there's more similar importance match over at the Etihad, Andy, which obviously you'll have your eyes on as much as the game at Anfield. Will you be making the visit to Anfield on Sunday? We'll, we'll, can we see you from the away end? Yeah, yeah. No, I will be there at Anfield. Um, season ticket holders. So, uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to it. However, look, however this is, and then we'll get into it, but however the season finishes, it, it, it's the game that I think, you know, as much as it'd be fantastic for Liverpool, won the title, they've got nothing to lose. Whereas I think it, 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 Man City have obviously got everything to lose in that situation because they're expected to win. So I'm just going to go out and enjoy it regardless, and then and just see how and, and see how see how the cards fall. Obviously, the um, return fixture early on in the season that late Divock Origi goal, massive three points for you at the time, which has kept you in in the title race. What what were your sort of memories from that game, performance wise? Well, it's, uh, Divock, I mean, he's he's just announced he's leaving for Milan at the end of the season, but it, it's one in a catalogue of incredibly important goals for Liverpool. You know, in a, in a game that was tight and it looked like, you know, we wouldn't, we might not just get over the line. But as I said, it, the amount of incredible big goals that man scored for Liverpool is unbelievable. I remember you guys were linked with him as well, weren't you? Last, about, was it last season or the Maybe season the last before? Of, yeah, last two seasons. He, he would have been yeah. the ideal striker to, to replace Jimenez for me. But obviously, you just mentioned some of the, the goals and the importance of, um, of the goals in some of the big games that you've featured in the last couple of years. He would have been massive for us, but... Rightfully so, he's gone to a, a bigger, slide, bigger side than Wolves in AC Milan in the summer. Obviously, it'd be a big miss to you, but your sort of front five, six, I don't even know how many good academy strikers you've got coming through, but your attacking force is ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, we're currently blessed. I mean, part of that lineup is obviously with one of your old boys, Diogo. Uh, what a revelation he's been for us since he came in. It was a bit of a strange one when he came because he, not that it was an unknown quantity, but no one really knew what to expect because it was a forty million pound signing, and you know it, I, I, that isn't big money these days. And you know it, it kind of hit the ground running similar to those years this year. And you know what, what an acquisition he's proven to be. But just going back to the game earlier this season, I, I've got to say, I'm not just saying this because I'm on with you guys. Molyneux is one of my favourite grounds in the Premier League because it, it's like an old old school ground, and it seems they're tight and you know they're close to the pitch. Where I think. That, that, that's becoming to be a bit of a rarity now in the Premier League. Uh, you know, you look, you look at West Ham's ground and you look at Tottenham Stadium as impressive as it is. It's all very modern and bowl shaped, and um, yeah, all made sweeter by the by 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 the late winner by by the Manorigi. 
I think, like you just mentioned, it's it's nice to have an away ground that you've got a good record in the past. As we haven't beaten Liverpool in the Premier League at Molyneux, we've only got the one win, which was the Stephen Ward winner back in I think it was 2011, 2012, something Roy, like that. Roy Hodgson, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah Roy Hodgson. I don't think it might have been yeah. his last don't, game. I think. Um, yeah, don't remind me. Thanks for that. Yeah, I mean, I've got to remind you, Andy, because you I could re- you could remind us about a hundred other times where Liverpool have got the better of, of us. Gully, we just had uh, Andy talking about the one 0 defeat um, at home earlier on the season. That Divock Origi late uh, winner. What was your memories of that game, performance-wise? I think it was probably one of our better performances this season. It was a uh, proper kind of typical Wolves performance against uh, one of the better sides. The only the only thing you'd say is that we didn't really lay a glove on Liverpool in an attacking sense, um, which is partly, you know due to the quality of their ability to get the ball back, I think. And you know, it's a real hallmark of the top two teams um, in this league at the moment that as soon as they do um, lose the ball, you know, they're, they're retaining it so quickly that you know, teams don't get a chance to build up any sense of pressure, um, aside from maybe the odd opportunity to, to play the ball in behind, which um, you know, Liverpool have set themselves up well against as well. So I think I think Liverpool have got the best defence of the league from, from what I from what I've read, the best, uh, the best what? Sorry, the best defense in the league record-wise. I know, uh, I know. If I think clean City, I, I think we've got. Yeah, I think that's right. I think City have conceded less, so I think it's one of the other. It's one of the yeah, other. Yeah, I think Alice is like favourite for the Golden Glove, isn't he? Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. That wouldn't. Golly, what about you? Just talking on City there, though. I'm, I'm interested in your opinion on this because you know there is this comparison between Liverpool and City winning the ball back, but I don't. I think the styles are, dis- are very, very different. I think City are much better at keeping the ball than Liverpool. Um, and I think they look a lot smoother, whereas it, but I think Liverpool in possession look more dangerous, explosive maybe, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree in the sense that, you know, almost um, City are a bit kind of death by a thousand cuts, whereas Liverpool are more likely to probably you know, get into goal scoring areas with a couple of passes maybe and are a bit more direct. Um I think we we find I mean we found against both teams that we we've been able to stay in games and, and, and do quite well. But well, you were lucky against you were you were lucky against yeah. City as well, weren't you? Because it was the sending off, wasn't it? Yeah, well it was a sending off initially, which I mean you can't yeah. really put down to luck. It was a bad bad decision made by Jimenez, but the penalty the award that really sticks Sticks in the throat with with their all Wolves fans. I think that was that was a real sickener. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's a, it, they're games that we we tend to feature quite well in. But at, at the way we've been playing at this moment in time, it doesn't exactly fill me with optimism going into this one. You look at the sort of the golfing stats between the two sides this season. I mean, you look at Liverpool, their average goals scored per game, 2.5. Wolves averaging one goal a game. Liverpool conceding 0.7 a game, Wolves 1.1. It really is a massive task for Wolves to impact the title race on on Sunday. But where do we even start in trying to lay a glove on this team, Gully, without... I don't want to use the word park the bus, but like you said, we need to be competitive. But how do you get behind this Liverpool side? I think you've got to continually try <laughs> for a start, you know, making those runs in behind. It's not something we've been very good at in recent times. I'd always, I mean, I was obviously not at the club anymore. I've advocated for Adama to start one of these, one of these types of games, just because you do feel that teams would be, 
a little bit more circumspect with their approach, knowing that he's on the pitch. Um, and I think we've suffered a little bit as a result with teams pressing a lot higher against this. Um, I mean, Liverpool are likely to play with a high line anyway, but I just think we've we've kind of lost confidence in our attacking play as a result of constantly not being able to get the ball into the final third and hurt teams. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a difficult one, isn't it? Because that that midfield three, especially, is probably the area which, which you know you worry about trying to get through. I, I think you know someone like Fabinho who might not be playing. Um, at the weekend, from what I'm reading, um, is, is such a key player at that. You know, just snuffing out danger, whether it be even fouls or or just stopping your your, your technicians from actually having an impact on the game. It's it's, it's a real difficult task. From within uh, Anfield Rap HQ, Andy, what how are you seeing your team sort of line up the weekend? It's a difficult one for Klopp, really, because you you want your sort of starting lineup going into the Champions League final with a bit of rhythm, and obviously there's still a chance of winning the title at the same time. Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen the manager's press conference, and he's and he's given absolutely nothing away. He's not, he's given absolutely nothing away. I think he'll go as strong as he can, with the caveat that the players would have to be a hundred percent. If there's even a one percent risk. With any of them, I think he'll leave them out. Um, Obviously, uh, couple... Salah and Van Dijk are the main ones who are likely to be rested if Klopp's going to go down that route. Yeah, but at the same time, I think they're they're the two. If if they were if they were right, getting minutes in them, especially Salah, especially Mo, um, would be massive. I mean, <laughs> it's, to be to be honest, in both areas of the pitch, and you talk about two world class players, and they chose it how how well. The ownership have done with with building a squad that you can take Van Dijk out and Salah in. I'm not saying it will make it have an effect, but you look at the players they bring in in their place. You know, you got Canate who's come in brilliantly, John Matip's there, and you got Joe Gomez behind him. And then up front, where you've got you've obviously got Diogo, you've got Luis Diaz, you've got Sergio Mane, you've got Roberto Firmino. I mean, even Minamino good uh, against Southampton the other day comes on, scores scores a good goal. The, the the one that we missed the most, I agree with you there, would be Fabinho. Um, and Henderson can fill that role, but it's Fabinho played plays like he's got eyes at the back of his head. And I think you were talking about where areas to exploit with Liverpool. It, it's it, if you can get the ball in between the full-backs and the centre half, go ver- vertical. If it, basically, if you can get if he us with pace and go vertical and pretty direct. That's when teams, when they've managed to get the ball, have caused us problems. But then the other side to that is, to do that, you've got to commit players forward. And of course, we've seen time and time again, if you commit against Liverpool, you're opening yourself up. Yeah, Liverpool are, in my sort of eyes, they're an absolute juggernaut at the moment, aren't they? Gully? The relentlessness that you mentioned earlier in regards to them regaining possession when they, when they do lose it. I don't, I don't see any other result than a Liverpool win on Sunday Gully but any optimism you can provide to me and the other viewers I don't know I mean it's it, it's one of those things that I think people have not quite appreciated how good the two teams at the top are in the sense of if you look at say a run of the last 10 fixtures that they've played probably in the Premier League you'd be hard pressed to find even a draw in that run of games I think um, <clears> I, I can't quite recall one off the top of my head I mean if you take out even the European fixtures but Okay, yeah, that that Spurs one, but even if you extended that form beyond that, and it's just WWW, and it's just it's just unbelievable how consistently that can win games. And at times, I don't think Liverpool have necessarily been at their best in recent weeks. Um, Spurs game probably being an example of that. 
Um, Newcastle, I know there was a bit of rotation in those games as well, but still finding a way, still still making it happen. And, you know, the players coming into the side are all contributing as well. It's, it's, it's quite frightening. And even if, like we say, the likes of Salah, Van Dijk aren't playing, there are players within the setup who will slot in. They know the role that they're going to need to play and will still hurt us. Looking at that um, recent form there, all those L's and W's, it's like, it's like looking at a Welsh town, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, looking at sort of Wolves' um, recent form and the way that you're going to be set up on Sunday, is it a comfortable win for you? No, no I don't ever believe anything's a comfortable win. You could be playing anyone. You've still got to beat what's in front yeah. Um, and I, I, to be honest as well, I've got a, a lot of respect for Wolves now. They try. Hi all, Gully from Wolves Fancast here. And just like all of you long-suffering Wolves fans, I know exactly what it feels like to be... I'm just going to have to completely apologise for that, guys. That was just... That just sums up Wolves at the moment. It's the shambles all over the place. You made it look like I was was interrupting the show then as well, just because it was my voice. Sorry, Andy. Um, Start from the question where I led you in. Yeah, no, of course. No, listen, I would never take any result for granted. Uh, We've seen that over the years um, where, you know, I think the minute you take take anyone like Lee struggling and... Also, bear in mind, this is a game that we have to win. Uh, one thing I will say about this Liverpool side is that there's a maturity there. They don't seem to get nervous. But, you know, you've you've got some quality footballers there who can cause you problems. Any team in the Premier League can cause you problems. And I know that the result went the other way last night, but you've only got to look at Palace's performance in the first half at Everton. You know, Palace had no real reason to play yet. They found themselves 2-0 up and should have really seen the game out. So, no, um, what I would say, though, is... Talk about that maturity a couple of years ago you know we i think we played um wasn't middlesbrough was it uh Ginny, it, it took until the 70th minute virginia went out to score the goal to put us in the champions league so you never know if, if, if wolves can hold up for the first half half an hour 45 minutes then the pressure kind of mounts to liverpool but what i will say though as well is unlike previous seasons where we've been chasing the league and the pressure for the 30 year thing was there that's gone because we won the league two years ago and look while winning the league on Sunday would be massive for us. We haven't got that pressure on us now because we've got, especially because we've got the European Cup final next week uh, um, in Paris, and we're also counting on Man City imploding, which is which which is unlikely. So, as I said, it, it's a game to be enjoyed, and I hope the players enjoy it because I think if the players enjoy it, then we'll get a more positive performance. But I think as well, I would not underestimate the respect that the team will show. Um, to Wolves whatever the whatever lineup Bruno puts out Wolves I've got this um, trait gully that we like to be prats from time to time in, in regards to raising our game when we really shouldn't be getting a result so look you look back to the sort of draw at Chelsea the other week um, is there any sort of changes for you from the last game against um, Norwich that you'd make knowing that it's sort of a free hit Potentially. I mean, we've been discussing this for, for weeks now. I guess, I mean, if you'd asked me a month ago, you know, if Liverpool could choose a team to play on the final day of the season, they probably wouldn't have chosen Wolves, I can imagine. No, Everton. Way... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> perhaps. That would have really rubbed the noses in it, wouldn't it? But, um, but it, I, I think this team selection issue we, we've got with Wolves at the moment, it's such a, I mean, we've all got this, 
feeling in our minds that we've got nothing to play for. We've got a promising crop of youngsters coming through. Um, we've got players underperforming who have been consistently selected for a long time. And you just want to see something a bit fresh and a bit new. Um, I think I was delighted to see Toti Gomez back into back in the side against Norwich. And he showed again, he's got that aggression, that natural athleticism that we lack at times at the back. And I'd see no reason why you should be dropped. I, I don't think there's any real choice if we're going to stick to a back three anyway. Um, but beyond that, I still I will forever extol the virtues of starting Fabio Silva at the moment ahead of Raul just because I think he is the form player whenever he's give, given an opportunity. Um, Chiquinho, again, he's, he's going to get more from playing 90 minutes at Anfield than the likes of Huang or, you know, even Trincao probably will. Uh, and he's, he's, he's got that rawness and ability to go and beat people that we need in a game like this if we are to alleviate a bit of pressure off ourselves from the relentlessness that the Liverpool are going to be attacking us with. What's your sort of current thoughts on um, Diogo Jota and Obviously, when he first joined, he was electric. I think he scored some ridiculous sort of consecutive games for, for Liverpool when he first joined. But he sort of fell down the pecking order recently since the introduction of Luis Diaz. No, you know what? He's fighting. Well, he got the assist. The, uh, he got the assist for the first goal against Southampton the other day uh, with a fantastic ball. He took a ball, rocketed into his feet, and then one touch and laid it off. And I think that's his game. Just quick, really quick movements on the ball, anticipation. He's actually the best finisher at Liverpool, believe it or not. In, in the penalty box, he's, he's the best finisher we've got, which is a which is a massive compliment when you think about it, who, who he's up against. There, he's very much unlike everyone else in that side. So you know, you can say with it. I mean, Firmino's unique and then you've got Mane, Salah and Diaz and you, you know what you're getting from them. They, they want to pick up the ball, they want to pick the head up and they want to run the players and commit them. Whereas Diogo seems very much like more of a penalty box player. Um, I don't know whether you, I mean, you will have seen this when he played when he played for you guys. He's very, very instinctive. He takes a lot of shots early, wide variety of finishes. And it, it, I'm, I've been impressed given his height, how good he is in the air as well. So... You know, it's. Um, I think it's more lack of opportunity rather than a lack of form. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if he starts on um, on Sunday and bags and, uh, and, ba- and bags a goal. That was always the problem with Jota, wasn't it? Gully he was great at these instinctive finishes, but when you gave him a thirty-yard run on goal, he then were the chances that he seemed to miss, wasn't it? We, we all remember the one that Cody blocked on the line at Molyneux, don't we? Where um, it, it caught him in the knackers. Um, but that was that was as, as guilt-edged an opportunity as uh, you're likely to receive at Premier League level. I, I just think with Jota, we miss him dearly. And um, I, I personally wouldn't have any Wolves fan you know, claim that, that we don't. You know, All the talk about the fact that he wasn't playing games or he wasn't in the starting lineup when when we sold him. What I really like about him is just the fact that he seems to add new things to his game every single time. You know, he's working at whatever whatever kind of attributes. You when he came to the club, he was kind of that supplementary striker, um, penalty box player again, probably as well. Second half of the championship season, I remember he he started playing more of a central role, and then his link up with Raúl Jiménez was so important to the team, carrying the ball up the field thirty, forty yards at a time. And then now he's gone into to coming back to that kind of predatory kind of position that that he had initially at, the, at Wolves, I think, at Liverpool, and adding adding heading, you know, to, to his um, to his bow um, as well. So he's, he's just and he, he's an absolute. I mean, 
Klopp talks about mentality monsters. He was the one player I think we had at the club that really has that mentality to go out and achieve so much within the game that we, we lack at the moment, I think. Definitely. Can I ask you guys a question while we're talking about Diogo? Have you been surprised by how well he settled in initially at Liverpool? Or was were you expecting him to do as well as what he's done? It's difficult, really, because... <sighs> We all knew he was a player and I went on the sort of the defensive when he left just to try and, you know, stay, keep face for the club. But he, he was always going to be a massive loss and the amount of opportunities that we created him during over 90 minutes was always minimal. So when he was going to Liverpool, it was always a good chance he'd score, get these sort of stats. What do you think, Gully? I just think, I think he always kind of showed that he, he had probably the highest ceiling of any of the players that we signed um, in that first season of the Championship. And that, I'll I put that in the same bracket as Neves, and, and I know Neves has gone to be an incredible player for us. But I just think Jota was destined for, for bigger and better things. What I would say is, given Liverpool's activity in the transfer market and how many hits you guys have had over the last few years, it felt like a pretty safe bet that you guys knew what you were doing with him, and and you knew what you were getting, and how he was going to then fit within the side and the system, and and, and how he'd operate. No, that's interesting. It's interesting. What's your um, opinions on this, Andy? Sort of revisiting the Jota deal. Stu in the comments says, any chance we can take Hover to Anfield and get a refund? You know, Kiana's a funny one. Um, I actually thought uh, when Liverpool first signed him that um, he was, he'd was be in the Liverpool starting eleven by now. Uh, so much potential. Uh, and I know people at the academy when we first signed him, this kid's going to this kid's gonna play. What is his position, easy. Andy? Is he a centre-back or is he a wing-back? Because he's not really been given a centre-back chance at Wolves. And from an attacking point of view, I don't think he's, he's great in the final third. So we, we signed him. Initially, when we signed him, we signed him as a, as a full-back or slash centre-half. I know when he played for Ajax, he, he played full-back. And he's also got, he's quietly got a really good free kick on him as well. And I, I remember that one of his first games for us was against you, and he looked brilliant. If I, if I remember rightly, he looked really, really good. It was an FA Cup match, I think. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. You, I think you knocked us out, didn't you? Mm. Um, he came on for one. Uh, I don't know whether it was Matic or some uh, Matic yeah. or someone. Oh, it was Lovren. Lovren. Lovren went off injured yeah. and uh, Kiana came on, didn't he? So I was surprised. I thought when you'd signed him, you know, I was made up. We had the buyback in there because I, I, I thought he'd made it there. So whether it, and I don't know the insides. You guys know more than me. I, but I'm, I, I don't think it's an ability issue. I'll put it that way. Um, whether it's a fitness issue, whether because he got disciplined earlier in the season, didn't he, or something about not pre pre preparing himself right, um, yeah. the manager was saying. A lot or of the youngsters have been accused of not really um, being committed to the cause. Is that worded right, Gulley, do you think? Yeah. Is that, an issue with, is, that, is that an issue internally then? Do you not think if it's more than one player? I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying it's not Kiana's fault, but, I mean, if it's more than two or three... <sighs> it's, it's an interesting one because... We've had a change of manager, obviously, in the summer. And it, I, and you wonder whether Nuno would have got more of a tune out of them. Bruno is the kind of manager who's happy to kind of call players out in, in press conferences. I'm sure he's having those debates with him in the club as well. But he, he seems to be struggling to get a tune out of some of the younger players. You know, we've we've had strops on the sidelines from Fabio. You know, I, I don't mind backing him up on those because he should be playing more. Um but yeah, like you say, I think what is the point he's made about Herber is is more about being a bit laxy days, in training and stuff. You know, yeah. I, th I think 
Bruno's idea is that if you're not in the team, you should be working absolutely like a maniac to try and get in the team, and he's not necessarily seeing that. Okay, that's no, but yeah, so what I'd say on that to answer your question, um, no, I wouldn't take him back only because he wouldn't get in the side, but I, what I would say is be patient with him because there is a player in there. Like a lot of our youngsters, uh, Gullet, there's a player in there, but the uh, attitude needs to improve, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I think I think there is, and I think I think maybe the the system isn't quite suiting him because we we ex- we expect a bit more from him, probably in the final third. Being a wing back, he needs he needs to brush up in his quality once he gets into those positions. I think as an athlete, he's, he's unbelievable. He's probably one of the quickest players at the club. And that, that's why I've always thought maybe as the third centre-half on that right-hand side would work better if we transition to a four, maybe as an actual right-back. Um, that might be might suit him a bit better as well. What, what I can tell you, there was there was a plan at Liverpool when he first took him on and he impressed everyone because he went straight from the academy to, to train with the first team because he, he, he'd impressed them that much. There was a plan to keep him quiet for a couple of seasons. But there was talk of, because of Liverpool's strength at, at centre-half and, and at right-back, there was real talk of him playing as a number four okay. and training him as a number four because technically he's got he's got all the the tools there. His passing's good. Um, and I know for a, for a couple of months he was he was actually playing in training in that role uh, about between the academy and and Kirby. So whether ultimately he ends up there, I don't know, or whether they, whether you know they've thought it's a good idea and it's not worked out. I, I don't know, but I do know that was definitely an idea for him. It's, I, th- I think from what we've seen of him, he's he is lacking a bit on the ball, and um, he's, he's let us down a little bit on a few occasions when we're trying to move the ball. I mean, again, a lot of it and it's systemic and, and and trying to have options ahead of the ball when you receive it on the right flank and things like that. It's it's it can be a difficult position to play from. Um, I mean, we've got Nelson Semedo, who's a seasoned international and a good technical footballer, and that's kind of the benchmark that he should be aspiring to, but. I think we're all a bit fed up of, of playing the system that we're playing as well. And maybe there's a, a bit more of a role for him in, in a slightly different shape. Okay. I'm going to ask you both for sort of your predictions uh, in a second, but I'm just going to put it this way. You've got Diogo Jota facing Wolves and Jack Grealish facing Aston Villa. Which one of those two is going over to his former fans with a sulky face on them? I'll come to you first, Gully. <laughs> uh, I mean, if we're talking for the title, I'd... I can't see City slipping up. I think that's that's the the the, the real issue for Liverpool. Um, it's not quite in their hands, and uh, yeah, I think on this occasion, um, Jota might be the, the slightly more disappointed one with there's, a with a view to a Champions League medal next next week. So there's no yeah. possibility of a sort of a Gerard Coutinho salvage job here for you, Gully. I mean, I ain't being funny, but he dropped Coutinho. Emi Buendia came into the team and he scored. And I just, I think, I know a few Villa fans who have been a bit puzzled by the whole episode after a few good games at the start of his spell. Um, so I, I, I think they'd be angling for a Buendia start ahead of Coutinho, to be honest. And uh, if I gave you the choice between winning the title and winning the Champions League, you're choosing the Champions League again, aren't you? You know what? Actually, I don't know. I'm split on it because we're on 19 did. I'd love to, to level up to 20 titles to match Man United. Um, Do you not feel I'm like you've honest. got enough sort of credit in the bank that you could probably win another five before United win the next one? Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. But I, I just think, had Liverpool been on 20, it would have been the European Cup all over. And, you know, it's not, not even like consolation. And I'm, I'm changing my mind as often as I change my top five films ever. He asked me again in half an hour, I'll say the European <laughs> Cup. Yeah, yeah. 
But but what what I would say is that you know the the, the, sul the sulky thing. I know it was semi joking. Look, regardless of what happens on Sunday, you know we've got everything to celebrate. Come full, come the full time whistle, we've had a fantastic season. We've got a European Cup on the horizon. And look, City. It's highly unlikely that City aren't going to beat Aston Villa. And also, it's it's not a certainty that Liverpool get three points on Sunday either. So if we do, then brilliant. It's just like the best bonus you've ever had in your life. But no one's going in there with any real sense of trepidation or nerves because there's no, as I said at the top of the show, there's very little pressure. We've got nothing to lose. It's it's all in City's basket and it's it theirs is, to drop. It is ridiculous when you think about it that Liverpool have basically played every single fixture that they could have actually played this season by getting to all the finals. Still in with a shout on the last day of the season on for the title as well. Yeah. I mean, the, the level of kind of endurance and, and mentality you've got to actually still be, it, it is pretty ridiculous when you think about it. Well, it is. But then you look at, you, you're talking about your own team there, the, the teams have dropped points against the, this year. I mean, the, the level's ridiculous. I mean, any to, to win the title on 95 points, it, which, well, 93 points with the City look like they're going to do. Fair play, shake your hand. If Liverpool get over 90 points, then I don't think you can do much more. But if you talk about just going back to Sunday's game, Liverpool have dropped points against Brentford and um, Brighton this season. Brighton and Anfield, despite taking a goal lead as well. So, you know, it's... Uh, I'd, what I'd say is, going back to Sunday, we just need to take care of business and take you guys very, very seriously. And then come up at the final whistle. You know, we shake hands, we go again. We know, without being arrogant, we know we're a good. We know we've got a good football team. We know we've got a good manager. Um, but we can never get away from the fact that you know you, you, you've got to you've got to be humble and you've got to remember that you know any team on any given day can beat any other team. You look at the, the games that City have dropped points in. You know, Spurs took points off them twice, took points off us twice, and I think Palace beat them as well. So you know. Let's just let's just go into the weekend and, and and roll the dice and see what happens. City do have the um Edward word it they have been known to crumble at home on occasion, haven't they? Got a two 0 at Wolves uh, against Wolves a few years ago, two 0 at home to Crystal Palace this season. I, just, I think I think we could be in a, a stadium where there's a trophy being lifted on, on Sunday. One of two things one of two things is gonna happen with City on Sunday. Either they're gonna be two or three nil up within ten minutes, which I think is likely. Or it could be tight. And if it's still if it, I think Villa needs to get if Villa take the lead, then brilliant. But if Villa gets to seventy minutes and it's still nil nil, then City might start to get a bit touchy. Now one thing worth looking at as well, we were talking about this yesterday on our show is that Villa don't actually have to do anything. Mm. All they've got to do is keep it at nil and they don't have to score. They just don't have to concede. Whereas Liverpool know what they've got to do. They've just got to win and then see what happens up there. So if the game finishes as it starts and Liverpool win, then then brilliant. But you've just with City, you've just got to see out those 10, 15 minutes at the start because they are the best team in the world at doing that. By I, just, I don't think you can trust Villa to defend. I, I think they're really poor um, at the back end of the pitch. Um we saw it. There was the. La I'd still say it's the last ninety minutes that we turned up and played well in, probably partly because Villa allowed us to play well. But Sorry, um, that was the last game. Will Martin's been sending a lot of comments in this <laughs> episode, and he's just said, "I don't think Andy knows how bad we are." Yet we still managed to score two past Aston Villa. So yeah. 
reiterating your point there, they they aren't great defensively, are they? Nah, it's. Um... But I've heard the rumour Stevens put his registration back in them. Oh, has he? So he's going to have a little run around. He's Might kicking have a people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd be in the. I'd, I'd, I'd talking to the lads last week. Be dead funny if it was like nil nil on nineteen. They break down the manager's side and it looks like City clean through. The, <laughs> yeah, the shoe yeah. just comes over the touchline and, and puts Sterling on um, Sterling on his ass or something like that. I guess he'd, he'd, he'd still finally be able to say he's had a role in a Liverpool title win then, wouldn't he? But, yeah. uh, I mean, there's no need for that now. Come on. That's <laughs> Come on. Please, Andy, please we've, got, we've got, got nothing left in. We've got oh, no. nothing left this oh, season no. but but bitterness. It's, yeah. We, we, we've, 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 thrown, <laughs> we've thrown a European adventure away due to the last sort of three months being so poor on the pitch that it's... It's really tough to take at the moment because you see the sort of how poor Man United have been this season, and we should have been finishing. Even West Man Ham United. haven't really looked like they wanted to stake a proper claim with the Europa League run that they've been on. They've, they've dropped points a number of occasions, and we've not capitalised on it. And it is absolutely infuriating, <laughs> to be honest. So. Dropped four points against Norwich and a four points against um, Leeds. It's it's such a frustrating time for Wolves fan at the moment. But hopefully, we, hopefully we can at least be competitive on Sunday, and not just roll over and have our bellies tickled. Yeah, I'd say. I mean, I wouldn't imagine in a million years that you roll over. But what Liverpool would never do is, is tickle anyone's belly. If anyone ever lays down for Liverpool, they'd, you'd be getting taken to the vet at the end of the day. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Thanks to everyone who's tuned in tonight. Drop us a quick like if you enjoyed the episode and keep following us across all social media at Wolves Fancast and at the Anfield Rap, which Andy's a part of. Andy, we wish you good luck in uh, Spain next week. Karim Benzema is one hell of a player. France, France, mate. France. Oh, yeah, against Madrid in in Paris. Hey, listen, all, all I'll say on that one, 1981 in Paris, Liverpool versus Real Madrid, European Cup final, 1-0. Who did you play the last game of the league that year, Andy? You're going to tell me it was Wolves, aren't you? Yeah, and you won the league that day. Thank you. Well, good I mean, night. there you go. There you go. <laughs> Take care, Cheers. everyone. Hopefully, we'll see you soon. Cheers, Cheers guys.